So this is pretty exciting. We're, um, we're on a ferry uh, on our way to the Isle of Wight. Yeah, it's a big step from normally recording on Zoom. Um, and yeah, we're currently on our way to go meet Francesca Cooper and Holly Fallick, who are two fantastic regenerative farmers currently farming on the Isle of Wight. Um, we read their Guardian article earlier this year and they've got so much to say and are doing such incredible things as two first-generation farmers um, in a landscape that we're really unfamiliar with. Yeah, it feels um, quite special to get the opportunity to go and do this and um, I just hope I'm... I just hope it warms up but it's really cold oh, it's bloody freezing it's so cold i can't feel my toes so we'll well we'll keep you up to date about whether our toes defrost before we start interviewing them <laughs> thank you so much for having us here and hosting us on the isle of wight which I have to say i don't know very well at all it was freezing yesterday and it's wet today yeah um how did you get to be here what's your relationship with the island how have you have you ended up on the Isle of Wight so I suppose um we're very much in the context of how we ended up on the Isle of Wight because we're sitting um at a table at my grandparents small holding where we were where I was brought up and Holly and I are sort of childhood friends so she was pretty much brought up here as well so there's five acres here so we learn all of our hands-on animally landy passions from this place really and um we both moved away onto the island off the island to do various finding ourselves but then very much found ourselves back on the island um with the amazing opportunity that we've got now which is the farm let's talk a little bit about that tell us what's the geography of it let's start with that explain you know where is it from here where is it on the island what's the scale of it yeah, so the farm is um, based literally just down the road from here, which is a pretty amazing sort of setting. So it's actually somewhere that we both, um, we grew up walking loads around that area and we had a little pony on the small holding that we used to ride up around there. And so it, it felt, when we went back to the estate to do our sort of first walk round, it was like, oh man, we know this so well. We've like played in all of the quarries and walked up through the woods a million times. And so it was it was quite emotional that first walk round, wasn't it? It was we did it just by ourselves, and then the next couple of weeks we met with the landowner. But it was in COVID, and we'd done loads of walking around different farms and sort of dreaming about. We, we'd been practicing with writing bits of business plan and and walking around different farms and dreaming about what would we do if we got access to land. And and this was we'd heard about this potential coming up, and um, and so yeah, really landing there and and those first conversations were yeah pretty. Um, you're both sort of in shock that this was this was a real opportunity and and so connected to our upbringings um and from Francesca literally just down the road from where she was living and I was living on the other side of the island at the time we were renting a little place and um and with the farm there was a little one of the old Stockton cottages was free so that was really perfect so we ended up moving into there so we're living on the farm um and yeah it it was just so amazing from what we had, we didn't even dare to imagine something so perfect, but from what we um, sort of had thought about planning and then walking with Rob and hearing his vision for the estate and the two were just perfectly aligned. He, even down to the type of cattle that he wanted, he wanted two different breeds and one of the breeds was something that we loved and and it was, yeah, just that first one. I think everyone looked at each other and said, this is, this is a bit odd. 
Nothing ever works out like that. It was a bit like a romantic relationship, it wasn't was. it? It was literally like a meet-cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was Rob a farming meet-cute. It was a meet-cute. Meet 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 Absolutely, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, yeah. He's, he still says, he's like, I feel like I hit the jackpot with yeah. you guys. And it's so sweet. And he does keep saying that, but yeah. And he's quite, an, it's unusual. So he's been um, like past the estate quite young. He's only 10 years older than us. And so um, he was really keen for something new, young, dynamic. He didn't want to have somebody who was sort of older and stuck in their ways. He wanted to be involved in the farm. He wanted to be able to come and kind of help when he wa when he wants to. Um, and so, yeah, what what we offered was very much in line with what he sort of dreamed of. So, I mean, so just to clarify, mm. you guys hadn't farmed before, so you'd grown mm. up in a sort of around animals and mm. in the countryside. Mm. But this was this is completely new to you. You'd yeah. not had your own land. You'd not looked after animals before we've not on that scale no right. no so we i was a i moved away and became a rural surveyor and managed farms and estates on the mainland um and so very much quite quickly but just became a frustrated farmer mm. watching other people do things knowing about how their business were, was running and thinking about how you could do it differently mm. also looking um we're both and like our, our partners very much like climate activists mm. and we were looking at you know how we manage land in different ways to um, help the climate crisis and also human nutrition and we both been vegetarian vegan through that time and so I think it just ended up being something that was like an itch that we couldn't scratch like we knew we had so many ideas about how we could do it differently and it sounds so arrogant but also I think it just came from a building up of knowledge actually we were building layers and layers of knowing about the finances of farming knowing about more and more about the um like the issues with um the climate impact of farming mm. the human nutrition the animal mm. welfare um and i think that yeah we did actually get to the point when we wrote a business plan so mm. <laughs> it was, I think it was those of, few years as well yeah. where we both had tiny children so mm. um in those years we both chose for you stay-at-home parents and and um, sort of those years of sitting around with tiny children, we did so much reading and listening and talking. And at, I, at the time, we didn't really think of that funding consequence. But looking back, that so was the best thing we could have done with those years was really expanding our knowledge around food, people, how people's brains work, how businesses work, how um, how we use land. All of those all those skills that we were really interested in, just from a just from a passionate perspective have come into their own so much with building the business definitely we also um set up a no dig market mm. garden here on the small holding and so that gave us some of the introduction into how we would manage a uh, direct to consumer business because we were selling all of the vegetables at local farmers market and then during covid in a box scheme and also just that producing food in a production scale it was very tiny our market garden was um like point four of a acre or something but it was no dig and it also got us into that world of regenerative farming at the sort of entry level was that we were then um looking into people like richard perkins that also were doing the biggest scale livestock stuff but we at the time only had this five acres to play with so we also got chickens yeah. at that point so we yeah. actually already had pasture chickens yeah and then yeah we got and a couple of belted galloway cows and i i ran two, two pigs yeah and 30 <laughs> broiler chickens yeah. so in the place we were renting there was like a really big garden and um and so yeah we, we raised like two pigs in a corner and and did 30 broilers just to prove concept just to mm, have yeah. a go and have a go at yeah. that slaughtering 30 chickens and what does yeah. that feel like and how do you do it and yeah. 
all of those they, they seem insignificant, but actually there was a lot they of learning there. They were the first there. of our learning and mistakes. I mean, yeah. they say you have to make like yeah. 10 mistakes before you make one win. And they yeah. we got a load of those mistakes through before we even started our business. Yeah. So yeah. we got to experiment with a lot of that. So. Definitely. So did you ever imagine you'd find some land? I mean, presumably it's hard think, to no, do that. Everyone yeah. taught, I mean, even I hadn't been working in a land agency for a while, but Oliver was very much still, my husband was working as a land agent and and we were like you know we want to get access to land you know is this possible he knew like the Isle of Wight scene quite well and he was like no don't think you'll ever get access to land like even with the skills we've got like the idea of getting your foot on the ladder actually tendering for something having obviously we came to it as well with no machinery no existing stock so it was coming from a very like it would have been hard to prove to someone that didn't buy into our vision mm. that we knew what we were doing or that we could and actually in the end we did end up having to do a lot of visioning work which I think a lot of people who are coming from an, an existing farming background wouldn't have to do because they'd just be able to show that you around their existing farm mm. or their existing figures but we had to vision five years of figures and five years of um like actually what we wanted it to look like and mm. we we didn't we did, we drew pictures. Rob had a really keen idea of what he wanted, but then seeing it in a document with, I mean, we've got a friend, we know a friend who's a professional photographer, and we, in that, right at the beginning, we paid out to get some really nice photos done. And yeah. like, it's like a proper put, business plan. We, yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. We're really like thinking it's like a business. Front, like, yeah. we, we came yeah. up with a logo, and we, we yeah. did all of mm. that stuff, yeah. not knowing if we were going to get it or not. No. But that was, in, in hindsight, really, I think, a great, move and I would encourage anyone else to just put that effort in right yeah I mean I guess you did your thinking you know you've done research by the sound of it you put lots of preparation and thinking into what's effectively a business document I think like you say it as if like it's obvious isn't it Mm. because it is obvious and in most sectors it's obvious that that's what you'd have to do you'd have to create a business plan and a vision document and all of that but actually within the agricultural sector I mean, most of the time when I've seen tenders come in across my desk when I was a land agent, they'd just be like a piece of paper with like a muddy signature on the bottom. Like that's sort of what people expect. And so there's such a rhetoric now around the fact it's really hard to get access to land. And even we believe that. But actually, if you think of it more as a business in the sense that anyone else thinks of business, actually pitching in that way, I think that actually it's not it's not beyond the realms of possibility for a lot of people mm. to be able to get access to land. It's just thinking, it's redefining what landowners now want from their land and also having the ability to to model that and look at it from all sides. But mm. I think anyone going into a new entrant business in any other sector would think of that as a no-brainer. And if people apply those business skills to their visioning and what they want to do in this sector I think it actually is possible to get access to land yeah I think since we've been doing it we're actually a bit like no. I don't really think that holds water I think so much we anymore. are also um <laughs> extremely gritty mm. and those first couple of years were no joke like mm. they uh, we've just reached year two and certainly year one was so such hard work so much learning um having to learn everything right from the ground up I and mean, it really did take sometimes us pulling ourselves along through yeah. that first winter yeah. um lots of tears and falling out and and there we are gritty types like mm. we will just do stuff even if we don't want to and even if it's tough and even if we're tired and and you do have you have to have that as well 
And I think mm. to start a business like that, and, and we've had a few people try this sort of lifestyle and go, go away from it because it is hard work mm. and it's hard physical work, um, which we love, but not everyone does. And I think it's really important to be realistic with yourself about whether you love that quantity and intensity of physical labour. When we got here, Becky, yesterday, I mean, it was it was really cold. Yeah. I think it's quite unusual on the island. Yeah, yeah. it's quite yeah. cold, but it was really cold. And as we say, today it's it's pouring with rain. Yeah. And we looked around the land, mm. and it's, it's pretty muddy. Yeah. And you've got a lot of livestock there that, to someone urban like me, look pretty terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like this, I guess, this ideal of farming and being in the countryside, but the reality of that mm. must be pretty frightening when you started. Mm. It must, mm. you know, when you, you mentioned, like, when the cattle arrived. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty terrifying, I'm sure. Yeah. That I would feel terrified if I it was, was getting, like, 20 cattle yeah. or something. It was a yeah. big jump, yeah. And I suppose we were lucky... Um, that we had like a friendly farmer who came mm. and helped us that first day when we were mm. moving the cows around and I think he saved our bacon quite a lot. <laughs> um, and yeah, like um, asking advice and learning in those first few years was yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing how far we've come. I mean, it used to take us a whole day to move our groups of cows around and now it takes us a couple of hours and we can just do it with the two of us. And it's, mm. it's amazing how much you can learn and... Mm. I think, yeah, we were arrogant, I think, yeah. in the first few years. We thought we could do it all, and we have managed to do it, but yeah. it's just, um, it was much harder than we thought it was going to be, probably. But these things always are, yeah. so they're just... Nothing is unfigureoutable. No. In our expression. Yeah, I like that. And, like, and also, having done all the reading and sat and listened and mm. podcasts and all this sort of mm. stuff, and then being like, oh, no, I've actually got to go and do it. Uh, it must, Yeah, it must be so intimidating to be mm. like... Christ, okay, this yeah. is all this. And especially, like, you're obviously, is it your second winter now that you're mm. doing here? Mm. It's oh, our third yeah. winter. Third Just winter. going into yeah. third winter. Yeah. yeah. And do you notice that in the winter it really is? a lot harder it is, and yeah. is it harder to sort of get out of bed and do it or do you always wake up and be like okay, I want to do this I think it's always yeah. nice to get outside and actually the thing is with winter when you're living outside in it I always found when before we were living outside in it when I had more of a desk based job you'd look out and it would always look grey mm-hmm. whereas when you're living in it some days it's like beautiful and fresh other days it's warm and wet and like actually mm. you realize it's not it's not a continuous winter and mm. you do get blocks of it which are actually really beautiful and lovely to spend time in yeah. um and then some bits like we've had recently with the incessant rain and they are the hardest bits i yeah. think yeah. when it's just incessant rain and all the animals are standing around looking a bit miserable but yeah. um i think the more you spend time just constantly outside the more you crave it as well we mm. we both struggle now to spend a whole day inside and we feel dreadful like physically ill if we have to spend time inside <laughs> yeah. so yeah I think um that when it's it, it's when we add an extra complication to a terrible winter's day mm-hmm. so if we have to you know haven't got child care and have to drag our kids around with us or something like that that's when it gets a little bit stressful because yeah. you've got like crying children and yeah. having to do this and yeah. it, that's when you feel a bit like Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but every farmer will say that they have these moments like yeah. that whole wrangling animals around the rest of life and kids and stuff. That's so, but no one really talks about it because mm. it just happens. Like you, mm. like I try and capture bits for social media, but hardly ever do because you're so just trying to get stuff done. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, we're not having to wrangle kids as well. It feels almost like a blissful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you said that. You, when this began, mm. you were pregnant. Yeah. And so that, I mean, just talk us through that. What's it, I mean, what, what's it like doing 
real proper proper farming yeah. and being mothers because that's like a big part of what this is for you yeah. guys I think um I would highly recommend having a really physical job heavily pregnant just mm. just, just, just uh, uh. <laughs> so yeah. my everything about my third pregnancy was so much easier because I was up I was about I was I mean I worked until the last mm. day didn't I I, di mm. I didn't skip out on doing pretty much anything I and then I had her, and it was my easiest. Apart from five. cows, like we did. Yeah, apart from cows, yeah. 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 we did make sure yeah. that she wasn't in yeah. with cows. Yeah. 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 I still yeah. health and safety perspective. I still <laughs> had to pay about, and yeah, I yeah, still yeah, did. Yeah. Physically, I was. Yeah, yeah. There was just a few things that we were careful about, wasn't there? Yeah. Like Tom was like, reckless. "Don't let her go in with the cows," yeah. and so we I were very careful about that. But I think that I think human beings are designed to be physically active, and 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 I had her, and it was so. I mean, Francesca was there, and it was like the easiest delivery ever yeah. and then she was born and then you know had a few days off and then went back to work and, yeah, and back she in just yeah. got were you doing the cows then they made she, you go back no, in the cows no, 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 no. <laughs> she, she got into the sling and, and that was that and we carried on and life went on and um I don't know I think sometimes we overcomplicate those first early days of newborns and they like being outside tucked up under your coat and mm. like in my experience, they're more happy in that situation. And so I think that um, maybe quite a lot of this sort of uh, uh, rhetoric around newborns being really hard work, they are really hard work, but also it's if you treat them more primarily yeah. and sort of feed them and then strap them on and let them sleep and just have them close to you, they're generally pretty content. She was pretty content. And yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. So, mm -hmm. I think at the beginning it felt like we were just sprinting. We were so excited. We mm -hmm. all wanted to be involved in everything. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that we're learning. I mean, we've even gone so far as to get like, like fitness trackers because we mm -hmm. really need to now dial in and look at sustainably how we go forward because we're both really, really good at overworking. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women are. Uh, I think you hear about women burnout, like because you're you're doing everything and you're used to doing everything, and especially with the farm where you can do as much as you can do. Mm. There's no like artificial limit of a nine to five. So, mm. I think learning not to and learning to be somewhat more sustainable. I think part of the regenerative way we've set up the farm is not just about the animals and how we manage the land. It's also about how we manage our time and. Mm like make it sustainable people always say to us like oh you must be up at the crack of dawn and actually we're not because we've designed our business so it fits around and we don't have to get up and feed animals in barns because they're outside and we only have to do them once a day and that's been a massively important part of how we've designed the farm because it has to be sustainable around what we're doing and the fact that we are juggling all these other things and yes we do and it is hard work but we have tried to make it as easy as possible to to give us the flexibility around that, because otherwise it wouldn't be possible for us mm. to do that. We have to do school runs twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. 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 it does yeah. sound like, even what you were saying there about sort of parenting in a more sort of primal way, mm. like it does sound like you've sort of made your lives regenerative as mm. well. Mm. And like you can, you're able to sort of be like, seeing that the animals are happier because they're outside because they're meant to be outside yeah, yeah. and all of this sort of stuff but yeah. I feel I agree with what you say about sort of yeah women feeling like they have to work harder because you feel like you've got to prove yourself yeah, you because you're like you're always described as like oh there's a woman farmer yeah or absolutely like, <laughs> this sort of thing rather than it being like you're a farmer and you're doing yeah, yeah. this you've got like we watched a documentary last night we watched um 
maiden about the first uh, woman. Yeah, I've watched that so many times. Yeah. I love oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard it. You guys are gonna love yeah. that. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And it was all about this first woman team to like sail around the world. Um, yeah. and it was it started at the Isle of Wight, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. So we were, we were thinking like we're on the Isle of Wight. Let's just like let's just get in the vibe. And I suddenly thought we can, okay we can watch Maiden because like we can watch Tracy Edwards. And so yeah, so it's all kind of set around Southampton and the Solon and sailing and. But yeah, this idea of women who are just people, well, in a way, they just have to justify why they're doing this All thing the just because they're women. I, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I wanna, is, that, is that what's happening for you guys? Do you yeah. feel like yeah, that there's definitely. a lot of conversations about what's it like being a woman farmer? You know, yeah, every yeah. single conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And always being a woman farmer, not just a farmer. Like, I literally mm-hmm. went to something a couple of weeks ago, like um, an event, and um, he started with, like, evening, all you farmers. Oh, and lady farmers. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh man, it's painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah you don't have to make a distinction. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have, I mean, it, yeah, it's a man's world. I mean, those first few meetings that we went along to, I mean, each of us were both asked, like, you know, who's your dad? Who's your brother? No, no one could believe no. that we yeah, owned. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And no, owned. And we, we even did a, we did a um, uh, sort of filled in a questionnaire recently about, it was about, about women in agriculture. And there was no, it was like, you work on the land or you work in a farm business. There was nothing that said, I own my farming business. No. There wasn't even a checkbox to keep having to write it in. My options. mouth is open at this yeah. point. <laughs> I know. Like, I can't know. believe It's that. really, really well, unusual to own, own your own farm yeah, business as five percent of farming businesses are owned by women. Mm. So there's a lot of women now working in agriculture. I say a lot, probably I don't know. It must be still tiny, ten percent, fifteen percent, but only five percent are actually owned and run by women. So quite often, yeah, people just assume that we I think most people now know us and we've obviously put ourselves out there on mm. social media so people don't make that mistake too often anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We do, they yeah. chop their balls off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it did feel really intimidating. Like, yeah, it did. Especially when we are going along with just like, what, just one of us went and like, yeah. those early days when we weren't totally confident about what we were doing. We weren't, it was a lot, lot not a lot of backlash, but I mean, people questioning the way we were farming and, and and why and how did we get into it and how do we get access to land and a lot of those kind of questions and having to hold your own in that kind of space a very male-dominated space did feel really intimidating yeah, and I think now I'd say we're used to it and people know us and and actually it feels loads nicer but um yeah it was yeah a bit rough so yeah, presumably there's like a barrier for any other women who would mm. be considering yeah. to like mm. be prepared or any other minority groups for yeah sure. yeah and yeah, you say yeah, not yeah. just women yeah, like yeah. anyone who's not you know like yeah. a you yeah. know a white older guy, white guy. Old, older white guy <laughs> definitely it's yeah. going to feel challenging for yeah. you potentially absolutely yeah. 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 yeah and because we didn't even have background like we're not hunting shooting fishing we're not any of that no we, no we, we used to be vegan, for goodness sake. Yeah. 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 No we noticed that. We noticed yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, what type of cover shall we cover that's not going to be controversial? I um, no, I know. And even being a rural surveyor, I mean, most farmers hate yeah. rural surveyors. So yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even like mm. I could wave that ticket around very much. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hard end to jump in. Mm. Yeah, it was hard. The topic of veganism, actually, while yeah. we're there, it's obviously I was looking at your website and reading the story and all this sort of stuff. And mm. when I was like, oh, then we used to be vegan, I was so surprised because mm. I, I used to be vegan and I stopped being vegan also for sort of health reasons and mm. things. 
And people would often be like, oh, like vegans are this tiny little sort of Suella Bravman, Woe Karate sort of type of thing. <laughs> and then you hear about farmers who used to be vegan. You're like, how do the two align? And mm. do you find it strange having been vegan and now farming and producing meat? Do you ever have any moments where you're sort of feeling conflicted or anything like that? Or are you just sort of, you know what you're doing is for the right reasons and you're looking after your animals well and you really believe in what you're doing? Or does the veganism ever sort of creep back in? The, just the, the veganism is the reason why we do the farm mm. um, rather than the other way around. We were very much vegan for the planet, vegan for... Um, I, we never really had a problem with animals being killed for meat. Um, I think we've both done it on a very small scale and small holding and mm. um, raising animals for meat was never really an issue for us. We went vegan because of the industrialised food system. The reason why we farm is because essentially we are still very much vegans <laughs> at mm. heart because mm. we won't eat the industrialised mm. meat products and dairy mm. products and animal products that are out there. Yeah, so. yeah and I think um, it sort of it bridges a bit of a gap as well for us mm. with customers. Like we have we have lots of customers now, either ex-vegans, ex-vegetarians, or normally vegan, but I eat your meat. That yeah. kind of um, thing. And it, it's really lovely to sit there and say, oh yeah, I get it, I understand. I was there, like we're doing it like this. And and, mm. and that's also, um, I think it helps people really trust us and the way we're farming because we get it. We get that whole side of the story. And, and even even now, I'd, I'd rather eat no meat than industrial meat. I, you know, I didn't, given the choice. Mm. So let's talk a bit about that. How how does that model for you work somewhere like on the island here? Mm. Um, you know, you, we were talking earlier and you were saying it's a place, there's, there's real wealth here, mm. but there's also quite a lot of poverty. Mm. How do you think, how easy is it, is it, how easy is it for your model to work in a place like this, where I guess you want to sell pretty locally to mm. people? Mm. How, where are you with that and where do you think you want to be with that? Um, I think the subject of food and low incomes is a tricky one and I think that it is um, a real mixture of um, absolutely not having the money and education and um, I think we can't ignore either. And so, I mean, in an absolute ideal world, I used to work for the food bank prior to, to taking the farm and so I've seen a lot of that side and um, I think that... In an absolutely ideal world, everyone would know how to cook and could cook amazing soups and stews and everything that we know is cheap and abundant from home, but that's not actually a real world. And so um, at the moment, we we sell to very much sort of middle-income families who sort of get the way we're farming and then a, a few... I mean, we, tr we, tr we try and price our, our products so that our our mints and dice and our sort of everyday products are actually really comparable to the supermarket and then our you know expensive steaks are expensive but yeah. if you can afford an expensive steak you can probably afford to pay a couple of extra quid mm -hmm. and so and actually pricing like that has worked really well for us yeah. because we have got those um slightly wealthier um enlightened customers who are happy to pay you know 100 pounds for a whole fillet and then we can sell the mints and dice to regular people, which we love. And we, we like actively encourage our customers. We say, like, come to the estate on the weekend and walk. And, and every field has a footpath in it. And they can come and walk past mm. Beef that they're going to go and have for lunch. And that's so... And I mean, we, we actively promote it. And so few do. You know, people who live literally in the village just down the road and have never walked on the estate. And we really try and push hard on come and walk and see and look and feel and touch and smell and all of those things and and the disconnect is still really definitely there 
and mm. between people from the countryside, their food system, nature. Um, you can't love what you don't know. And you, you have to go and see and feel and breathe and smell your local environment to really care about it, I think. And presumably for farming communities as well, that idea that, you know, just coming and being with you, mm. you know, it's it's a big commitment to, mm. go to, to farm, to mm. farmland, to be yes. a custodian of land. It's mm. not something you do easily. No. So for people to fully recognise the sort of commitment that people are doing that, you know, yeah. how you're living your life, yeah. it's important for people to get that, I exactly. suppose, to really understand yeah, You quite farming. often get yeah. farmers who are like, well, no one understands what we're doing, and you're like, well, of course they don't, because yeah. you don't show them no. most of the time. Um, mm. You can't just expect people to know what this is like, because it's so different from their realities. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I don't know whether there could be a way to help farmers to do more of that, and I think there is some moves now to do that, but it's yeah. just... But even us turning up at school every afternoon in yeah. our overalls, covered in mud, yeah. and we've pretty much spoken to everybody at school now yeah. about what we do and why, and mm. and we they see it every different day. We're yeah. running up late because we've been, you know... <laughs> the cows got out. Yeah, yeah, the cows yeah, got yeah. out, and we're always yeah. covered in mud and smells horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and just even things like that, like if... If we had more small farms within communities and and that would make a difference for those people and I think those sort of small interactions can't be un overstated really I think mm. it's very easy to say what we need to do as a national or even global people talk about in the global food system well let's start with your local town and your local mm. village and your local county and move from there because you can only change what is surrounding you really. Just thinking about your anecdote of going to the school gate and I mm. think that there may be going back to I suppose we don't like to overemphasize being women farmers because mm. we get asked about it so much we like to be like well you know we're just just farmers but actually mm. we are women farmers and I think being a woman and a farmer and then having that interaction with say school mm. or um, you know both of our husbands still work um, proper hours so they don't do the school run we mm. do the school run mm. on top of the farming business um or just the interactions you have with mum friends and mm. things and um, we mesh those two together so I think you're talking about that so there are quite often farms near villages mm. but there'll be the farmer's wife that goes and collects yeah. the kids yeah, right. um in the clean car in the clean clothes and there'll be the farmer that's on the farm doing ch chasing the cows around and I think that we the way we do it is quite unique in mm. that we are doing it as women farmers and very much not just women farmers but mother farmers mm. and having those interactions and talking to our other mothers about mm. it and mm. spreading it that way I think is quite different mm. the interaction you get they get with the farm is different mm. because we're women mm. it feels more accessible as mm. well they're just like oh I, I can see people who are like me doing this yeah mm. and they're not yeah they're not sort of having the mental breakdown because they're like working every hour you don't look like excessively sleep deprived and all these ideas that they have around farming and when you, mm. I was like to you as we were saying there about being up at the crack of dawn I was like oh god I bet you're up at the crack of dawn yeah, like, no. yeah. and it's like actually this is something that is accessible for people even mm. if you haven't got a farming background mm. because you just assume that if you're in farming your granddad was a farmer and their granddad was a farmer and they all you're all doing this sort of thing and actually being like look I'm very different to that and we're presenting it in a very different day just yeah it makes like even as somebody who isn't a farmer and yeah. lives in north london and all this sort of yeah. stuff it couldn't be further away from it i'm like oh maybe i want to become a farmer now yeah. <laughs> it just feels more inviting than, and i think the farming yeah. community as a whole is becoming so much more diverse and mm. and um 
different styles of businesses popping up all over the place. And we were um, we recently did a kind of like um, it was called like uh, evening about gen net zero on the island of white, and we talked about it from it was we have various hubs on the island working towards net zero, and ours is the agricultural hub, and so we had a evening presenting different. Um, people on the island doing amazing things with agriculture and there's a guy there you know growing hemp for um, insulation and there's you know us doing our thing and then a really conventional farmer and him doing his thing and then the arable guys and people doing um, you know uh, small scale veg vegetable production and just all of these uses for land whereas I think people think of a farm and they think of a children's storybook mm. and and it's not Hardly ever like that. Ours is, but that's really unusual. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, having you know the two pigs and the two sheep and the yeah. two cows. That's yeah. that's such a. And then maybe people feel threatened when they come to a farm and then it doesn't look like what they envisaged, and then they feel like, oh I don't know anything about it, and then and then you feel kind of on the back foot and like nothing that you envisaged was true, and and all of those yeah. sort of things. And and I think, um, yeah, if we can get people going around all sorts of different farms and different uses for land even and I don't know solar farms or um campsites like one of the ladies got or whatever mm. um that would be really great to show and people. also small lower points of entry like mm. we started with the market garden mm. and actually you know Rob is happy like he wants a market garden in the estate someone can set one up there tomorrow if they wanted to like that sort of thing access to land isn't actually it's just Knowing where to purchase, space, yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Well, we've got a lady, and she's a um, beekeeper, and she keeps a few hives on the estate, and she takes a tiny bit of a corner of a field off us and gives us a few jars of honey as our rent, and mm. and and she just came and asked, mm. I'm, I'm a beekeeper, can I put some? And we said, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like that kind mm. of interaction is possible. Of course, mm. it's possible, and 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 that was a really inter easy yeah. interaction. I mean, and and that could be scaled all sorts of different ways. Can I come and pick a load of stuff from your hedgerows and make this, and I'll give you whatever. Mm. Even things it's like our stacking. chicken enterprise could be completely separate to our business yes. if they want. Like, we know other people that run like pasture chicken enterprises on other people's farm because the footprint is so small. And if you've mm. got a couple of we call them eggmobiles, mobile coops. Um, you could put them on anyone's farm yeah. and have an egg enterprise, yeah. and that would work fine. I feel you're doing your business planning right there, right now. Aren't you? <laughs> you're just, just trying to get rid of the chickens. Does anyone else want another chicken enterprise? Stacking of enterprises on land is certainly going to be something that yeah. I think we'll yeah. see more and more of going forward. Yeah. I, mean, I think I think it's people saw it before as quite an idealistic dream yeah. um, but I think that um, people across the country are demonstrating this is a really like valuable reality now of having different people running different enterprises and having that energy within the land like mm. we have obviously been farming the land just just us and then recently we've had um, a little microbrewery move onto the estate and it's so lovely we work really closely with them and every like twice a week we go and collect their spread grains from the pigs and we'll stop and have a chat and having that sort of hubbub of energy is so different to like yeah. if we have a few days we haven't really crossed paths mm. and we're out working by something yeah. it can feel really lonely well loneliness in farming yeah. is a huge mm. huge issue isn't mm, it and when it. you describe that sort of lifestyle mm. ob obviously it would be you know yes. it's an incredibly lonely yeah, yeah. responsible thing to be yeah, doing yeah. so how you build these kind of like I don't know, I'm going to call it like an agricultural ecosystem yeah. or kind of like how that, that sounds incredible. Yeah, and it's thinking about land as more than just a place that produces food as well. I mean, mm. we, even having the um, conservation project that we graze right next to us, um, owned by the Wildlife Trust, like we see the rangers out there and we have interaction with them on a mm. day, like a weekly basis. Mm. And 
But then going forward, if we had, say, we'd like to diversify into having, I don't know, some fitness groups that come and use the land. And I think we need to think of land. Land is such a precious resource that it's not just something that one farmer produces food on. It should be that every acre has, like, different people working on it. And there should be people doing hedge laying. And, like, we've got... We work with a, a guy who manages our woodland and he's going to be doing more going forward. And the excitement of, yeah, having other people doing things but they don't there's no conflict there mm. is no conflict there's just benefit to mm. adding these these like things energy on. and yeah. expertise yeah. and ideas mm. and creativity Absolutely. all of that and small business plans mm. like, yeah. like, that people can generate income from mm. and generate excitement and then I suppose having a really supportive landowner who completely buys into that as well mm. and the more the better yeah. <laughs> Rob yeah. loves it he's always like can we do yeah. this can we do yeah. that <laughs> and getting people back on the land like people my age so many want to do something working outside that feels real that feels exciting that feels um genuine like there's this real upsurge of young people wanting to get back into not even like farming as such but um jobs outside or or truly i say connected um pursuits and that land can offer that for and so as i said so many businesses are such small footprint and so you could layer, I mean, um, in Miraculous Abundance, in the last chapter, they talk about um, the sort of the, the ideal 100 acre farm and that it would support 100 people on 100 acres. And there would be, you know, the market garden and the hedge laying people and the um, apiary and the orchard and the doctor in the thing, you know, prescribing and then the herbal medicine person, like on 100 acres, 100 people. And it, you know, it's idealistic, but why not? But that's Regen Ag, isn't it? Yeah. It's like Regen Ag isn't anything new. It's mm. what it was always like mm. until yes. industrialised farming came in. And yeah. so it's actually not about changing the system. It's about being, going back to what mm. it was and mm. reconnecting people. And mental health has always been a huge thing that people have suffered with and struggled with. And we just talk about it now. Yes. But probably not quite to the same extent that we mm. do now as it was yeah. when people did live sort of, yeah, 100 people on 100 yeah. acres and things yeah, like yeah. that. Absolutely. And actually we could do with people being around. I mean, last mm. year... I had my sister staying with us for a bit and well, at the time we had a, like a bottle pad calf because its mum died when it was born. And it was so helpful for us to have my sister um, there yeah. and we were like, can you, you take the calf? Yeah. And she just yeah. every day, four times a day, was feeding the calf and like loved it and is a young person. And, and, and actually we would have been those people within mm. communities mm. who, oh, do you want to raise a handful of chicks for us? And do you want to... Yeah. Well, it's just saying about your piglets. Yeah. Earlier yeah. on that you had the piglets and they've gone yeah. to another home. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. We, we, just some smallholder friends of ours that were like, oh, do you fancy raising two piglets? And yeah, yeah, I would love to. Yeah. But there would have been those yeah. people or mm. I don't know, retired people or well, you're describing people with extra needs. It's or, like a community. So what next? What what's or, or what's the point? What what do you think? Kind of crazy question, but what do you hope the future looks like for you guys here on the farm? What would what would great look like? Um, I think immediate is just um, reflecting. We're really using this um, sort of winter to reflect again. We try and do it every six months or so. Look back at our figures, and um, I think this is something that I've learned from observing other conventional farmers is that lots of farmers don't have a handle on their finances and sometimes don't even think of their farms as businesses they're just lifestyles um like they just money comes in money goes out they don't really know and I think it's been really important for us to really hone right in because we want to prove that we can make money from this we're not hobby farmers this is a business and so for the next 
month or so, we're going to be reflecting. And then going forward, we're going to put in, uh, I think in the early part of next year, it'll be about tweaking. And then um, we will work out then whether we end like either stop some enterprises, start some enterprises. But I think there are a few enterprises we want to add on, pastured poultry, things like that. But um, we will very much use this time to to run it all on spreadsheets. It's really boring, but it is. That's really important. It's like it's winter just, reflection. Yeah. It's like yeah. that time of year. We're also going into yeah. CS in the next year. So that yeah. will be a huge sort of new project and working all of that out and um, yeah, figuring out how we do that next restoration project, which is really exciting, but quite big. Yeah. Um, that's going to take up a lot of our time and our brain space again next year. We've like just come out of learning and we're going to jump back in, <laughs> learn how to make tree islands and all of that sort of thing. So, um, yes. um, and I think five years time, I think, um, I think our, our vision for the estate and for our business is to really become sort of experts in our field and, um, really have experimented enough with different ways of doing things in different enterprises to be able to say we've tried this this and this and this worked and and maybe even become testbed for different projects and um we really love experimenting learning trialing that's mm. very much our bag and um and i would also love us to become a place where people do come to and, and, yeah, then, and every access. school on the island yeah. is coming to us twice a year to come yeah. and look around and and maybe having some um i don't know links with local community groups food banks etc etc um really bringing that those ideals my personal ideals around regen ag out into our local community um and and yeah becoming a space that people know and people feel connected to um yeah that's my job well, we just loved it. Thank you yeah. so much for hosting mm, us. Thank it's been Thanks for coming incredible. down. We love talking about it. Back. Yeah, come back. Yeah, yeah. 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 In a year's time. Yeah. 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 We've done we it. check on that one. Yeah. 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 We'll be like, sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we haven't done exactly what we said. We've still got the same pigs. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for coming. So it was really fantastic to spend time with Holly and Francesca. Uh, we had a lot of fun on the Isle of Wight and it was an incredible insight into the world and life that they've created for themselves and their families. And I hope you really enjoyed listening. So if you did, please make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media using all the links in the show notes. And we'll be back next week with another fantastic episode uh, with the wonderful Alice Vincent. Mm-hmm.